fiery dreams, first dates, and forgiving friends. We all pray for a miracle on this 36th episode of Resurrection Revealed. Thanks again for joining us for another full discussion feedback episode of the Resurrection Revealed podcast. You know, we are a proud member of Noodle Mix Network, and you know we're sponsored by our affiliate links at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon for all of your Amazon shopping. Thanks again for joining us. We've got fan theories left and right, and we're going to be talking all about Season 2, Episode 7 of Resurrection. It was called Miracles. And before we dig in, I want to remind you Resurrection Revealed is an unofficial podcast and blog by and for fans of ABC TV's Resurrection. And tonight we're recording November 14th, 2014, and I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan. And I am at Troy Heinrichs, finally getting over the mysterious illness thanks to Janine's prayers. Or was it Grandma's mindshare abilities? Or maybe it was a secret medication deployment via misdirection. But we'll get into all that during our discussion and a bunch more, as you can find the show notes for this episode over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 36. Absolutely. And first off, I just want to say, Troy, I'm glad you're feeling better. It was kind of dicey there for a little bit, but all's well that ends well, right? I am my own person, though, so Janine cannot take my soul. Thank goodness. Oh, what an interesting episode it was this week. Miracles was the title, and obviously that ties directly into whatever happened to Rachel. We're not quite sure, and we have lots of fan discussion about Rachel and Janine in particular. Well, let's start out with the dream sequence and the fire. Now, little Margaret is running away as Rachel sees her backside. My question to you is, did she set the fire? That is Margaret. Did little Margaret set the fire and did she lock the door? I would hate it if we found out that even as a young girl that she would do something like that, unless somehow her current self is tied to her past self. I'm wondering if this is really a flashback of what actually happened or if it is just a dream that they had. But uh, long story short, no, I don't think little Margaret is the one that locked the door and set the fire. At least I'm hoping not. Because if she was skipping away and frolicking as she was, she's one sick, twisted person. So my hope is that she was just playing in the background and didn't even know what was actually going on behind her. Exactly. Uh, the whole skipping and how happy and gleeful she was, that's what makes me think that even Margaret at that young age could not have done both those things the same time period. But when we did see her previously, when she was talking about how she knew how to get rid of people and talking about the demons in the awesome ghostly bedtime story to Jacob, she <laughs> yeah. did look like she was pretty creepy in the face there, like she was going along with her dad. So maybe she did lock the door and set the fire. Mm. I bet that if she did do that, Troy, I bet that they will tell us in a future episode of Resurrection. Now, Rachel is in this same dream state, and we know that Rachel wasn't obviously alive in 1930s, 1935, about when the fire was, and she's pregnant, so we know it's future date, for Rachel at least. So is this kind of a glimpse into the shared plane existence? We kind of got that once with Jacob and Caleb, when Caleb disintegrated into Ash and Jacob started to afterwards, mm -hmm. but this is the first time we've seen a memory being shared 
from one person into another return's dream because they were both sleeping at the same time. Yeah, and that's what's really interesting about it is how well done it is. And it's still so vague that we're not positive what's happening. I think that this is at least one of the planes where they can kind of be together. But right now, even Margaret's not sure what's happening in those scenes other than she knew she had to find out who that woman was and it was Rachel and she had to go track her down because it's somebody there in town that she didn't know from before. So it was quite interesting. And I wonder if this could have happened if say, for example, Margaret was a night person and slept during the day and Rachel sleeping during the night, if they're both not asleep at the same time, could this happen? That's a really good question, too, because they were asleep at the same time. So right. you get the mind share. If they are alternating, does the plane exist outside of time and space that you would see each other there? Kind of like one of those, what do you call them, the uh, uh, massively multiplayer role-playing games where you can come into the environment, say World of Warcraft, battle your way through whatever you want to do. You leave and go to work like you're supposed to, not stay in the game all day. <laughs> and yeah. then... <laughs> And then when you come back, the world has progressed, but you're still in your same place. So I wonder if it's kind of like that, a, a massively multiplayer role-playing game in a dream sequence back in 1935. I think you just blew my mind, Troy. I, I would not be surprised. I like that. I really do. Because it'd be cool if people could like pop in and out and you would actually get to experience some of the history. Think of it like a flashback but in a different way of telling a flashback story. It'd be really creative to see how that would play out if they were able to come in and out of that existence. Yeah, I wonder why so far it's mostly like you talked about earlier, Jacob and Caleb, and then as well, we've got Rachel and Margaret, but a lot of the other returned haven't even hinted that they could sense each other. Are, were, are these particular four just special or... Are the other return just not able to tap into it just yet? Well, that's what a lot of people are thinking, because when Caleb was alive, he made it seem like he knew a lot more about what was going on. You know, there are oh, more yeah. coming. You know, you have no idea what you're getting into. Plus, what was really interesting now that we know that Bellamy has returned, Caleb himself, when he was in that jail cell, tapping into Bellamy when he was like, hey, you know, that boy that died. So he's mm -hmm. reading Bellamy's memories, and that's why Bellamy's all freaked out at that point, because he's like, how could you possibly know about that? Well, it's because you're both returned, and he can basically go in there, mind meld, without you even knowing. And it would be quite helpful if Marty could also go into those dream states, because he's trying to solve all this mystery going back to the fire in the factory. And if he could actually join them in the dream state, he could get a lot of answers in a hurry. Especially if Angela is a returned. Because then you could see what's really going on in that woman's brain. Now, that would be fantastic. That is a scene. If she is a returned, and I think she is, I would love to see them both bump into each other in a dream state of some sort. That would be fantastic. Well, now, Carl is still feeling the effects of his brother even after he's gone and pretty much takes it out on Ray, thinking Ray's Mikey almost at the bar. But they end up making up. They talk about the true living. And the big question I have is Carl the new leader of the group or is Carl really just kind of spying on them because he is a man of the law after all? I don't know if it's either of those things. I did find it kind of strange this week that Carl was able to be like the head spokesperson to the meetings when he's just the newbie, basically. But I think that the group is letting him speak more 
and with more authority because he is an officer of the law that they think he might have more connections and more information. But at the same time, do you think there's a chance then that Carl might just be kind of an infiltrator? I don't know. He talked pretty passionately that he was pretty pissed off about his brother. Oh, yeah, he did. And then, of course, when he finds out that his buddy Ray, who he's now friends with, ends up getting sick, you know, he's all about ready to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. Though it was kind of funny when everybody was leaving the meeting and Ray's just sitting in the chair and everybody's thanking Carl and shaking hands and going upstairs and Ray's just sitting in that chair. I knew something was wrong right away. We'll get more info on Ray in a bit. The question that really perplexed me this week, and it's why I actually dropped at a ratings point this week, was Maggie, as a doctor, can't give the experimental medicine to a patient without knowing how or why it works. I buy that. But why does Bellamy actually keep quiet when two weeks ago they're sitting on the couch just before he gets sick and he's ready to spill the beans? Why keep it a secret now when you're all ready to tell her that he was a return previously? I don't know why exactly what the uh, plot hole or what made Marty kind of change his mind. I think that's a valid point. It did kind of confuse me, though I tried to just look past it because there was so much else going on in this episode. It really was almost two episodes worth of content crammed into a uh, 40, what is it? 42 minutes. If you take away the commercials, it was a lot of stuff going on. So I kind of looked past it, but now that you bring it up, Troy, I think we need to keep an eye on that. Now, Janine, she's all in it for the baby. No matter what, she wants that kid. She may want Tom. We're not sure if she wants Tom, but she wants the kid for sure. So the question I have is that when she calls it our baby, is it our baby as in hers and Tom's? And she's hoping Rachel will just disappear once the baby's gone. Or are we talking about a new episode of Three's Company here? <laughs> I don't think we're talking about Three's Company. Um, I think that... And it's kind of twisted, but at the same time, in some ways, Janine might just be looking at the cold, hard facts that if the baby is healthy and survives, Janine's pretty sure that uh, Rachel's a goner. And coincidentally enough, uh, she and Tom could then raise the baby uh, as their own, basically. I, I'd, it is strange that she used the term our baby. So there's... Something's really strange there, but at the same time, Janine has been through a lot ever since these returns have started popping up, including her husband's ex-girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, that's a really big question is the use of language. When she said our, that's what really stuck in my head because it could be our, me and you, Tom, or our, me, you, and Rachel can live in the guest house, I guess, be the nanny, if you will. <laughs> so really, it's that question of what are her true motives? What are her true intentions? She prays over the baby, but is that because she's praying for Rachel's safety or is she praying just for the baby's safety? Be quite frank. I think she's just praying for the baby's safety. I mean, she's kind of letting Janine, you know, kind of stay with them and she's kind of watching over, I mean, Rachel. But I think that uh, Janine would be more than happy if uh, after the baby's born, Rachel then just gives up or whatever happens with the return and goes away once and for all. Yeah, no, I'm not saying Janine's like a murderer type, like she's going to kill no. Rachel once the baby's born or anything. Right. And I don't think she's going to be like Margaret and talk people into being so despondent that they give up the will to live either. Right. But I think that there's definitely an, an ulterior motive going on there. It's not as comfy cozy on the surface as it seems. Yeah, because even though ever since we found out, you know, when 
basically back to like episode one or two when she first appeared. I was thinking, we don't really know if this is Tom's baby, but this has gone on so long. I'm unless they give us something otherwise pretty soon, I'm gonna go ahead with everything and we'll assume that it is Pastor Tom's baby. And which, you know, if something were to happen to Rachel, Janine and Tom could raise Tom's baby and it would, you know, kind of fit into the family pretty well because it's it is at least half theirs. Well, and that's an interesting concept too. What if something happened to Tom at the end of the day? And the two ladies would have to raise the baby. Well, we'll have to see if it comes to that. Something to think about. And Tom is no short of explaining the fact that this is his baby. He's got rights, <laughs> even though it's still inside of Rachel. I have rights <laughs> to make sure this baby survives. I'm going to give her this medicine come hell or high water. And hell's something he probably shouldn't be talking about as a pastor. <laughs> True. I can see his point, though. If he is so confident that it is his baby... And even if it's not his baby, the fact that it's an unborn baby, I could see, especially as a pastor, that he would want to go to as many lengths as he could to ensure that the baby is safe and can be born healthy. But at the same time, it's an unknown thing here with the baby being inside of a woman that's died twice so far. Um, and you really don't know what this medicine is. So I could see both sides of it. It's definitely a tough spot. It's like a no-win situation. So switching gears, we have Brian Addison and Henry talking about how they're going to get the factory back on its feet. You know, I don't know about you, but I just, I don't have a million dollars laying around to get this thing started. Is he expecting to get the million from Brian or was Brian saying it's going to be a million for each of us to get this thing going? I'm not sure. I just kind of let that part, that de detail uh, go right past me. I'm not sure who has the money or where it's all coming from. If there's like a group, I, I just... I'm so intrigued by the fact that Margaret is on to the Addisons. She may not know yet fully what they're up to, but she knows they're up to something. And I'm more interested in watching how Margaret interacts with them and plays them. Well, Brian is obviously clearly engaged with Margaret's mind and her business savvy that basically asks her out to dinner. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but yep, that's uh, that's how he rolls. And then he's got the gall to actually ask her back to his place on the first date. Who does that? But he is, I think it's, you know, it's obviously not so much a romantic situation. He is working for his grandpa and he has orders to try to help for whatever reason, they want to take the Langstons down. And so he just wants his plan to roll along. And so he just went along with it and Margaret went along with it and and she saw the photos and then everything fell apart. Well, now the other reason why I knocked this episode a little bit this week is because Margaret has been so calculated this whole time. And she, I assume she lets her guard down by going back to Brian's house, especially, you know, a lady that's been growing up in the fifties and sixties, you know, this isn't something that you do go back to the man's house, you know, even though it's 2014 or whatever it is. And because of that, and she, allows herself to go back to Addison's place. It kind of put a notch down. Like Margaret is so distracted or something because of this dream sequence with Rachel that she's forgetting that she's the matriarch. She's the one that has to protect everything. And she lets her guard down and gets taken off guard when she sees the photo of the grandpa on the wall. I don't know. I'm looking at it on the other side of things where agreed. If this was like a little courtship thing, I don't think she would have necessarily gone back to the house. But I think she is so calculating, like you touched on just a minute ago, 
that she knows there's something up with this uh, Brian Addison and the family and how she doesn't even recognize their name and why are they so interested. I think she's been suspicious from the very beginning and she knew that this would be a way that she would find some sort of clues. And that's the only reason she went back to the house. Now, did Brian mess up in bringing her back to the house without checking with grandpa first? Yes, because I think grandpa might have been smart enough to say, oh, let's hide all the family photos that have my face in them. You would think. <laughs> that, I think that's why he's so upset at Brian. Like, you know, you should have checked with me first. At the end of the day, I think he was actually smitten. And that's why he decided to bring her back. Really? He wasn't thinking. I, I think Brian's got a crush on grandma. Well, he's going to mess this whole thing up then if he doesn't start paying attention to what's going on. Now, this one I thought was interesting. This might blow your mind because I thought about this in, in my extra days off here since we didn't record on our normal night. Apologies, everyone. I am feeling better. Thank you. Um, but Angela let us know that the medicine was only for returned people and not the true living. So the question I had was, is it medicine at all? Fantastic question, Troy, because... We don't know what this stuff is, if it's dangerous for anybody, if it's safe for anybody. It could all just be part of Angela's plan because they need to, when we come back for a new episode November 30th, we, we need to get some more information on Angela because, like they called her at the beginning, the elegant woman. Some people called her the mysterious woman. She's definitely both of those things. And whatever she's up to has major implications. So I would not be surprised if it's just a placebo. Or could it be some kind of tracking mechanism? Because now that they're all tagged with the serum, they'll be able to monitor remotely through some kind of nanobots or something, nanites, that could report back for her data collection because she is a statistician after all. Oh, absolutely. It kind of reminds me of the great show Alcatraz that we never got resolution on. I'm still kind of bummed about it after all these years where they were doing those experiments on the prisoners and injecting them with the special blood, taking out their blood and putting in something that they could use to track them in the future. And I would not be surprised if uh, Angela's keeping tabs on people in more ways than one. Now, because Rachel mysteriously woke up, there were kind of three things that I was thinking of. And I kind of alluded to them in my intro. So number one, is it, of course, a miracle? Did Janine's prayer actually you know, save the baby and save Rachel at the same time? Or two, did the illness run its course? You know, sometimes you just get sick and you need to lay down for a week. You get mono or whatever. You're down for a couple of weeks and eventually you just get better. So did it just run its course? And Rachel's the first one for that to happen because she kind of has the extra kick of the baby helping her along. So she's got quadruple the metabolism <laughs> at that point. And then my crackpot theory is what if it was a diversion the whole time? So Tom and Marty come in with one vial, but give Janine a second vial. What? Yeah, exactly. When they like go out and talk to Maggie and Maggie's distracted, then Janine comes in and slips her a shot. Mm, this is getting more mysterious by the minute, Troy. And those are all great theories because the fact that the episode is called Miracles I think they definitely want us to really study the whole fact that Rachel got mysteriously healed rather quickly and whether it was the prayer, the medicine, or maybe something just mysterious and something to do with the baby. It could be most anything. And I've been thinking about this ever since watching it on Sunday night and putting out the initial thoughts episode. I still don't know which way to go on it. Well, we had two 
listener theories on this exact topic. So we're going to go ahead and take the listener comments right here for this specific segment because Jack Scott actually was in line with the the fever ran its course concept. He said, I believe that it did indeed run its course. We learned in biology that viruses are host selective and it may not affect everyone the same way. While it only affects the returned, it's apparently not affecting all of the returned. Besides, didn't Jacob start coming down with a virus a couple of episodes ago? It seems like he's actually all better now. I don't even remember the episode with Jacob getting sick. Of course, I need to rewatch this entire season probably during the hiatus, but uh, that's a great point. Like with Carl's brother, Mikey, he had no chance for it to really run its course. He was blue and bleeding all over the couch before he finally uh, got convinced into giving up. So like you said, host selective. Um, Jack, I like that. Well, and people are confusing the situation too, I think a lot online and some of the groups that I've been reading because they think that the illness is what's killing them or making them disappear in this case. And it's not that the fact that the illness is making them disappear. It's the fact that they just don't want to fight through the illness and they're losing the will to survive. And that will is what's causing them to disappear. So you got to be careful and what you're actually blaming when you think about how this disappearance act happens. Exactly. Let's keep our eyes focused. I didn't think of that before, but that makes sense as well. Now, Goldell Pack had a different theory, and I really like this one. Uh, she said that one of three things could have happened. First and simply, someone actually injected her. So she's in my camp of the crazy crackpot theory of the misdirection scheme. Uh, secondly, good old... Grandma Margaret somehow like intervened, you know, maybe when they had the shared dream sequence, maybe grandma's antibodies were able to help out Rachel in getting better in some way. Cause they had that shared experience, hmm. but, the, but the third very sinister, very dark example that Godel shares is uh, maybe Janine killed her and she re returned and that's why she's healthy. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> That is uh, a mind blower. I, that thought didn't even cross my mind and it should because Rachel's so good at coming back to life that maybe they knew they were going to come back. Uh, excellent. We'll have to look for clues for that one. If that comes to pass, full credit. Wow. Nice work. Say a little prayer over the baby with her hands and then her hands just slowly move up to cover her mouth and suffocate her. Sure. No problem. <laughs> There's a lot of things that happen off camera in Resurrection that later we find out about or, or see a different uh, angle. So I would not be surprised. Wow, that would be sinister. That would be really creepy, and especially to have her be able to come back and willing to sit in the bed right next to her. That's, that, that'd be interesting. Unless she doesn't know because she was passed out from being sick. True, true, true. All possible. Well, clearly with the living getting sick, we need to take action tonight says Carl, a mob without a plan. Never a good thing. Is it Wayne? Not on any television show I've seen. I mean, even, even on grace point this past week, a, a mob coming together and for whatever reason you got a mob together. They're so impatient. It has to happen tonight. Come on, Carl plan. Think this through because, uh, I don't like where this true living group is going. They're going way over the top and, uh, Marty and some others are going to need to step in. Yeah, I was really shocked that they went with the red upside down crosses to mark the doors of where the people were. That I think is way over the line. I was hoping that wouldn't uh, 
appear on the TV show that I don't want it giving anybody ideas out there. That's a really good question now is because Fred would have been on that side last season and Barbara comes back and now Barbara's gone again. So how does Fred feel about the situation and what side will Fred land on when this thing comes to a head? Well, at the rate that Fred has flip-flopped in the one and a half seasons of Resurrection so far, I can't really say. But on the other hand, Fred seems to be sober once and for all. He's come to grips with losing uh, his wife now. And his mom and now his brother are, you know, talking about reopening the family factory. I think Fred has more of a family support group now. So I think he's going to go with it. But I would not be surprised, like I said, with him flip-flopping a few times. Uh, he is pretty impressionable. Which would make sense because that goes into his influences, whether that's the drugs or the alcohol or his late wife twice in Barbara. It seemed like he was able to kind of go with the flow more than Henry was because Henry was more the dedicated hard worker. And so I, I absolutely think that Fred could flip. But at the same time, I have a feeling, my gut feeling is that he isn't going to side with the true living group and that he's going to be really upset with Officer Carl uh, for wearing his uniform and going to these meetings and kind of giving what few lawmen they still have in town kind of a bad, uh, a bad mark. Yeah, because regardless of how Fred feels about it, he knows that he does not want a military state again. He's willing to keep the military at bay and do whatever he can. And based on that, that leads me to think that Fred will be on the side of the good or the returned or whatever you want to call it because he doesn't want military coming in because it gets out of hand. Yeah. So long story short, it sounds like we're both on the same page with this one with Fred. <laughs> believe so. Woo! Now his daughter, Maggie, she's a really forgiving person. That's all I could say when it comes to Bellamy, because she was quick. This is the second time now, very quick to reconcile with Bellamy. The question is, is now that she knows, how does this affect their relationship going forward? I mean, that's a good question. And she does flip-flop a bit, but like she's under all this pressure and stress. So we can give her a little bit of leeway. But really, there's no books that you can study up on relationship self-help books that talk about when you're in a relationship that somebody with somebody that's been dead a time or two and they're back to life again. That's got to put a, just a wrinkle in it. And there's really no... Uh, textbook or background to really go on. So she's just winging it. Would you say this is like a relationship that's forming in an unfair circumstance that they're just kind of thrown together? And because of that, they're bonding with each other. Kind of like if you were, say, trapped under a dome and known each other for two weeks. <laughs> oh, 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 don't remind me. Oh, my goodness. That relationship, that's a whole mess over there. But I, no, I think there is some real feelings here, some real respect between the two. You know, Bellamy's been hiding a few things, and she's been just working, working, working. And then, of course, he did turn over those bones to uh, Angela and the mysterious group that, quote-unquote, might work for the government. But it seems like their common goal is to try to help Jacob and all the returned. So I, I think they have a lot of uh, good foundations to build on. I mean, this is technically, I think, probably the third time he's technically lied to her, right? Because he lied about the bones, he lied about being a return, and then he disappeared for no reason, leaving Maggie in a lurch. So the fact that Maggie can come around, sit there and have a beer with you, you know, I think that says a lot about Maggie's character in the long run. Agreed. We're kind of teased. We're afraid 
that this was going to be the last episode of the season at this point for a kind of winter hiatus. Uh, unfortunately, it is going to be a two-hour Once Upon a Time coming up on Sunday night, followed by the weekend off uh, after that. So luckily, we're going to get a, a new episode. I believe it's November 30th. That'll yes. be episode number eight. And then we'll get another new episode December 7th. That would be episode number nine. And the word on the street is that we're landing at 13, maybe 14. They keep going back on this 14th episode. If it's on, if it's off, if it's on, if it's off. So hopefully we can get some confirmation on that. But if we is 13 or 14, it looks like we're going to have to wait probably till January to get those last four. Agreed. And the fact that uh, we still don't really know if there's going to be an episode on December 14th. I couldn't really come up with any hard data. So I, I think it might just be these two, then a mini Christmas break. You think it'll come back in January and not hold off all the way till March when uh, Once Upon a Time comes back? Mar I think it's March 1st for that show. Yeah, I'm assuming that if Galavant is supposed to be the replacement for Once Upon a Time when it goes on hiatus and they're going to air two Once Upon a Times with this two-hour episode, then it would seem to make it believe that they would finish Once Upon a Time probably on the 14th with their 11th episode for their first half, okay. which makes Galavant a likely fit because it starts in January to take that you know 8 p.m. slot which means there's a hole for resurrection to come back for those four episodes in January to pair up with Gallivant. Okay. It's all about the scheduling. And then of course we do have our email list. So because we do have a little bit of a break, we want to make sure we stay in touch with you. So if you can just head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com over there in the top right hand corner, make sure you sign up for the mailing list because if we have some cool things we want to share with you, we want to make sure you get those, especially in the case of this week where I was sick you know, we could at least email you and let you know that we're going to be a little bit delayed on getting the podcast episode out. Again, we won't use your email for anything nefarious. We just right. want to make sure we stay in touch and keep you abreast of what's going on. Absolutely. And for example, if we do find out some information, you know, during the hiatus that there will be an episode on the 14th or when we get firm information about what may or may not be happening in January, uh, even if we don't have an episode, we can send out a quick email and keep you up to date. So with that, Ratings time for Miracles. I yield the floor to you, Wayne. All righty. I'm going to give this episode 8.5 out of 10 true living basement meetings. I think this is the first episode that I haven't given at least a 9-2 in a long time. And by no means is this a bad episode. It just seemed to be lacking a couple of things. An 8.5 is still really good. I enjoyed the episode. And I can't wait for more 9.5s and 10s in the upcoming episodes. Yeah, I would felt the same way. There were two kind of like plot holes, as I mentioned, for me. Uh, overall, I felt it was just a little flat this week uh, compared to some of the previous episodes. So I went with an eight out of 10 first dates from the other side. Those are mysterious romances when you get involved with those kind of people. But see, an eight, that's still pretty dang good. Yeah, considering where we are with some shows, you never know. Eight's like a trophy. It's like, hey, first place. Yeah, if you mark down every plot hole, could really move you down a few steps. We had a few listener thoughts, but we've got a lot more coming up for you. So stay tuned because the fan feedback section of the podcast is coming up next. Our first piece, well, actually our third piece of listener feedback this week actually comes from Thomas said, Wayne, just wanted to say you were missed the other week. Glad you were back. 
I hate to sound like lost, but is this whole thing starting to look like purgatory? I mean, Jacob in the first season asked the very poignant question, did we all die? When he was talking to Pastor Tom there at the water fountain in the hospital. Uh, Is that what's actually going on and why they are disappearing like they are? I was thinking of the creepy thing that Grandma Langston said during the episode, Will, about hell as Barbara disappeared. Your podcast is the best. Keep it up, Thomas. Thomas, thank you so much for that. And thanks for missing me while I was away. Al Kessel did a fantastic job. And some people even thought he was me for a little bit. But uh, yes, it was good to be back. And that's interesting, especially the way you bring up the reminder from the first or second episode where Jacob said, did we all die? And I don't think they all died, but there's so many returned now that a good portion of them have died. Go back to a lot of what Ray Mays has been talking about in his feedback about how this could be a shared experience or a shared memory. So is the purgatory thing a possibility, depending on whose point of view of the purgatory it is, which does sound a lot like kind of lost six season in a way. That would be cool. I, I don't think they've given us enough clues just yet, Thomas, but I'm anxiously awaiting to find out what's going to happen in the next few episodes because uh, the more and more returned we have and now with this shared dream state, uh, things are going to get very interesting. Godell Pack actually had more to her feedback or his feedback, not sure, uh, but <laughs> regarding uh, Ray, I'm going to go with my feeling that he is resurrected as is every single person in the town. Whoa. Yeah. So perhaps everybody died in a, in that flood. Then the water went bad. Who knows? But I'm feeling that everybody has died at least once and been born at least twice. The question is, isn't who died, but how many times have they been reissued life? Godel Pack, that just blew my mind again. What if, what if everybody's returned, even, even Henry, and he just doesn't know it? Yeah, I mean, if this thing's been going on for quite some time, all the way back into the 20s, if not before, we don't even know, it's a very good possibility. Maybe Ray is a return because he died when he was a baby, and that's why he seems a little you know, off for his character. <laughs> the character of Ray has, has always seemed a little off, and now he's a different kind of off. But still, I, I, the one, as far as Maggie, she's the one that would most surprise me if she is a return of some sort, but everyone else, I could kind of see it. Yeah. I mean, she was a baby when we first saw her by the river. The question is, is how did she survive from that point forward and who saved her? There's that gap in her life story. So it's possible that she could have fallen in the river too. That that would be amazing. If the show resurrection goes there, I'm staying tuned. I can't wait to find out what it is. The writers are going to present to us as what really happened. Well, now Jack Scott was back and he said that he believes also that Ray is a returned, but he might have died as an infant and never knew anything about it the same way that Bellamy didn't know either. I found it quite interesting in the first season how Caleb seemed to know more about what was going on than everyone else, while the other returned people seemed to be in that state of being stunned where their expressions on their face said, uh, who am I? What am I doing here? Why is there a paved road? Yeah. Uh, what's that blinky thing that uh, looks like a TV? <laughs> Caleb basically seemed to always have that look on his face that it was somewhere between an annoying smirk and kind of like an evil grin as if he was thinking, I know, but I'm not going to tell you. So having said that, for all we know, Ray and Elaine could be part of Caleb's returned family. That's going to make Thanksgiving awfully interesting there. 
Uh, Jack, great points and explanations as far as how that all came to be. And it always did seem like Caleb did know. And even though it didn't really appear on his face as such, it, it just seemed like he knew things. And like you said, he's just not going to tell anyone. I, is he going to come back one more time? We'll have to wait and see. But with that, let's go ahead and check in with the voicemail line. You can either share your thoughts for the next episode by dialing plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine, or just use the SpeakPipe widget at resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback. Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling into Resurrection Revealed for Resurrection Season 2, Episode 7, Miracles. So the episode opens up with uh, Rachel and Margaret sharing a vivid dream of the fire at the Langston factory. This is at least the second time that Rachel's dreamt of this fire. This time, though, both Rachel and Margaret appear as witnesses and interact with each other. They had not previously met each other, and they both witnessed Grandpa Addison dying in the fire. Once she saw the photo of Grandpa Addison, Margaret knew that there's something wrong with Brian Addison's offer of friendship and investing in the factory. I don't think she knows exactly what they're planning, but she is very suspicious and has to leave the place. Maggie and Bellamy's relationship hit a rough patch with serious trust issues. But uh, the exchange, I died, Maggie, we all have issues, indicates that their relationship is on the way back now. Janine uh, was sitting by Rachel's bedside as she was suffering. Seems that she is communicating with the baby itself, and she, she places her hand on Rachel's belly, furthering the communication. It seems that through somehow through the power of the baby, Rachel is cured. Miracle baby? We'll have to see what happens in subsequent episodes of Resurrection. Neil from Bowie, thank you yet again for recording that, sending it through the SpeakPipe widget. It's always good to hear from you. And Neil said something that really struck out. A lot of good stuff in the call, but this is the second time that Rachel may have had a uh, dream of the fire. Yeah, there was that one episode where she woke up screaming in the middle of the night, which got Tom out of bed at 12.07 on the alarm clock or on the bedside clock there. And he comes running in and she's like, there was a fire. It was burning. It was hot. Oh, yes. And the question I have was in that sequence, was she on the other side of the door in the fire or was she still outside where she was in this sequence? Oh, man, I, I can't believe I forgot that scene. It's hard to keep track of everything, so please forgive me. But, uh, Neil, thanks for the reminder on that. And what if she was on the other side? You know, those would be terrible dreams to have. Terrible. Well, and the bigger question is the comment that he picked up from Bellamy where he said, we all have issues. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Well, it's funny, but if you look at it also from the, did we all die, is the we all have issues a uh, hidden meaning? Hmm. I looked at it more as, you know, some people have come back from the dead. Some people have uh, trouble with alcohol. We all have issues. Some people have to live with their mother-in-law. Who's been back to life uh, one time now, and she's like running over the family garden, taking control. But I see your point, too. If, if you can kind of flip that statement, we all have issues to mean maybe they're all returned. Hmm. It would be an interesting twist for the show, to say the least. Yes. Let's see if Ray's on the same line as us. He says, Miracles gets a nine and a half from this res head. This episode was jammed with two or three episodes of information, much like this you said, Wayne. Exactly. 
Uh, this season is shorter than planned, and the information contained in any cut episodes must be given to viewers to make this story actually work. I don't think this is the way to take care of the situation as it alters the pace of the show. Some things in the plot must be looked at a little bit deeper so viewers can follow along. Now, a lot of the viewers are saying the show's too slow, so Ray wants to drag it out a little bit more. So it's very interesting on that point. I still believe that alternate dimensions in time were disrupted by what happened in Arcadia. We're seeing one dimension in present time and the returned entering this present time from their alternate dimension. Jacob and Margaret are ahead in their dimension and looking back into the past. Rachel, Grandpa, Addison, Arthur, Barbara, and the others are all in the past for Margaret. That's why the dream exists. Rachel's recovery is the opposite of what happens to the returned when they let go and vanish. She knows that the baby is wanted and that Tom cares deeply about her. I don't know if that's her as in her, Rachel, or her as in her, the baby, because I don't think we have the gender of the baby just yet. Right, yeah. Uh, Earlier in the episode, Ray says that the government is in the center of what's going on in Arcadia. Somebody from the government was at the meeting and injected Ray with a virus that seems to be the virus that has infected the returned. He's not a returned, according to Ray. Not a returned. Okay, Ray. I was not surprised by Margaret's dinner with Addison. Margaret was just checking out Addison and attempting to ensure future control over the new factory. How far would she go for control? Just look back at her marriage to Warren. Good point. If that Warren's uh, marriage was arranged, or her marriage to Warren was arranged, and then she ends up taking control of the factory when Warren passes, how far would Margaret go to claim victory? A good point. Uh, Marty did not get his medication from the government facility. I don't know where it came from. Knowing that Marty is a returned will strengthen Maggie's relationship with him overall. Margaret knows everything about what Grandpa Addison is planning to do. It's all in her past. We'll need a season three for sure to take care of this mess. (laughs) Oh, Ray, so much gold in that. And it brought back, that was, when I watched it a second time, that whole scene with Margaret talking about her arranged marriage and everything. It was, you know, of course, Addison was soaking up the whole thing, but it really made you wonder how that all happened with Warren. And he seemed to be really into the bottle and she kind of had to run the whole factory and yet still make it look like Warren was. And it was an arranged marriage. Do you think maybe Margaret knows so much that perhaps in a roundabout way, she was the one that arranged the marriage so she could get into this family? That's the interesting twist. That's what I picked up on right away. It's the fact that not was she, she wasn't picked out of the crowd to be married to Warren. I think she weaseled her way into making a deal because Margaret seems to be the dealing kind of person. Oh, for sure. Well, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Let's check in with Lucifer Jr. Uh, he says, well, look at that. Maggie is apparently a druggie no more, at least for this week. Okay. Isn't she? Well, she was taking the pills. You know, you have to wonder if they're going to bring that story back or not. Forgot about that. Uh, Isn't she the coolest girl in the world? One minute she's mad at you, super mad, screaming mad. And the next thing you know, she's beside you drinking beers. Just so cool. (laughs) Hey, yeah, that's an awesome thing. 
this episode gives us a glimpse of Grandma's life. We know she got an heir and a spare. Why didn't she make a spare and a spare and a spare? Just in case. She also is showing her weak side in this episode looking for Rachel. And was it just me or did she change her hair color this episode? I love hmm. the dream sequence, almost as if it was like pairing a Bluetooth device. Oh. I want to say before a long break that the writers are actually friends. They talk about episode to episode and do not conflict with others, a lesson certain other shows in small, confined towns could potentially learn from. Don't you think? <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, wink, wink. Right back at you. This is Lucifer Jr., a true living 100%. Oh, great, great stuff. I like the uh, analogy to pairing of a Bluetooth device. Yeah, separately, they kind of do their own thing. But together, man, handoff continuity on a Mac and an Apple device and an iOS device. Super, super awesome. And all is well. I didn't notice really any change in hair color. I need to look at that a little bit closer. But I'm wondering about the fact that they brought up with her. Margaret looking for Rachel, if that might be showing a little bit of a weakness. Or maybe grandpa is a part of the plan that she wasn't expecting. And now she's looking for an ally. I could see that. And of course, great question is why she may have stopped with only uh, an heir and a spare instead of making a few more spares. Maybe that's why she went on a date with Brian. Or maybe, or maybe it's because of Warren, and his, uh, did she said he was hitting the bottle pretty hard, alcoholism. Maybe he, she just like, eh, I'm going to stick with the two I got. I don't know. Yeah, I don't need any more of your offspring running around here. <laughs> well, that'll do it for this week. We did get a new iTunes review from Jewel Girl 43 from the USA on November 10th. Uh, the reviewers and the fans. So this is a review for all of you guys. The reviewers and fans who contribute are so knowledgeable and insightful that I cannot wait each week to listen to the podcast. There's always an intelligent discussion of the episode. It is my favorite podcast hands down. So there you go. All you guys that call in and leave your feedback and your thoughts, that review right there in iTunes was for you, not for Wayne and I, for you guys. And we greatly appreciate everybody this week. Lucifer, Ray, Thomas, Goldopak, uh, Jack, and Neil. You know, thanks so much. X-Force 11, Jeff Gentry uh, calls in all the time. Also, just great to hear all the theories you guys are coming up with this week. And I know the cast does listen to the podcast. And so hopefully we're getting some of our thoughts and ideas into the writer's room so we can <laughs> see where this actually ends up going. Uh, I love it. And again, thank you so much, Jewel Girl 43, uh, for that iTunes review. It does help out the podcast, helps uh, make us easier to find for other people. And We've always said from the beginning, this is definitely a group event. It's uh, Troy and I kind of facilitating, but without the listener thoughts and theories all being mixed together, we wouldn't be able to make sense out of half of this stuff. So we thank you and anybody else. Even if you're listening to the show in another method besides iTunes, you can always leave us a review in iTunes. It'd be greatly appreciated. Resurrection Revealed is not yet affiliated with ABC Television or even with Plan B. And since we are an unofficial podcast, we do have costs like website hosting, the MP3 hosting, and things like that. And if you'd like, you can help support the fan podcast in a couple of ways. You know, one way, is, especially with the holidays and the new year coming, you can do all of your Amazon shopping through our affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon. Or you can even donate directly to the show and invest in making Resurrection Revealed even better 
going forward. You can donate once, any amount you like. You can even sign up for ongoing monthly donation amounts. Just go to resurrectionrevealed.com and look at the donations area on the right-hand side of the website. And we want to thank everybody in advance that uh, helps out in any way, whether it's through donations, shopping Amazon, leaving iTunes reviews, or just retweeting our tweets out there. It's all greatly appreciated. And of course, keep connected with us. You know, Larry King always tells you to follow at Resurrection Pod on Twitter. And be sure to follow our personal accounts as well at Wayne Henderson, if you want to follow Wayne, and at Troy Heinritz, that's Heinz Ketchup, Ritz Crackers, no Z in the middle, and heir to neither fortune. <laughs> and now I'm hungry. And lastly, leave a review for us, of course. If you listen elsewhere, head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes. Like we said, drop us a note, let us know what you love, and of course, which fan theories you think are the best. But the biggest thing, especially when we have a hiatus like this coming up, is to subscribe to the feed. You do not want to miss an episode. And in fact, next week in the break, there will be a special episode featuring a talk by Jason Mott. He's the author of The Returned that gave life, if you will, to Resurrection itself. Uh, I was actually able to be at a book signing and reading that he gave for his new book, The Wonder of All Things. So if you are a subscriber, you'll actually get that episode. But if you're not a subscriber, you'll have to remember to come look at the website, even though there's no show. So just subscribe. You can go on over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes slash Stitcher slash TuneIn slash iHeart. Doesn't matter. Wherever there's a podcast catcher, you can get the episode so you don't miss next week's special bonus episode. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to spend it listening to all of us air at Resurrection Revealed. From everyone here at Noodle Mix Network, I am Troy Heinrichs. And I'm Wayne Henderson. Until we return again, we'll see you next time on Resurrection Revealed. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx, especially the Once podcast. If you're already watching Resurrection, you should be watching Once Upon a Time right before it at 8 Eastern and Pacific, 7 Central, and then listen to Once, the unofficial podcast and blog and forum with theories and talk about ABC's Once Upon a Time. All this and a bunch more of great content is waiting for you all over at noodle.mx.